You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Seven in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson. Francis Albert. The big blizzard hitting Tucson this morning. Everyone's uh, posting up and sending me pictures of the snow in their backyard. It really happened. So, enjoy it out there. Sounds like a snow day. Chris gives you permission not to go to work today. If you want me to write you a note for your boss, I will. And you can go up to uh, you can go up to Oracle, or you don't have to go that far to to go play in the snow this year. Uh, I bet. Uh, I can just go start. I can start doing some belly flops down the hills in the Saddlebrook Golf Course. They they won't mind. So we'll be just fine. The pickleball calls courts are closed this morning. Just want to let you all know. So eight oh seven and a half. So Barney, there's a young lady on the phone named Annabella Rockwell. Uh, give me give me a little intro. Uh, you know I'm a big Dennis Prager fan. Never heard of that. Uh, well, it's true. One of his frequent phrases is that sending your kids to college is playing Russian roulette with their values. And so I'm always fascinated with trying to overcome the nonsense of the left. And I saw a story on the Daily Signal about a mom who rescued her daughter from the woke influences of the college she went to. So folks, we have on the line Annabella Rockwell. Annabella, welcome to 1030 The Voice Wake Up Tucson with Christy Simone, the host. This is Barney Brenner. And why don't you tell us about your journey, your amazing mom, and you can close with where you ended up. We're going to ask you questions in between. Don't listen to Barney just telling you to tell your whole life story <laughs> in one thing. So good morning, Annabella. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so what, what? 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 So when you decide, you you went to Mount Holyoke uh, College. Yes, I went to Mount Holyoke College. It's in Western Massachusetts. It's the oldest women's college in the country. It's one of it's the first, actually, of the Seven Sisters. So when the Ivies were men's colleges, the Seven Sisters. The Seven Sisters were founded as the female um, co-parts, and uh, Mount Holyoke was the sister school to Dartmouth, and still is. So what? Uh, so when you were a senior in high school, and you said, "Hey, I want to go to Mount Holyoke," what, talk about before going to Mount Holyoke. What was what was your what was your kind of plan and dream going to Mount Holyoke? So I graduated from a school, a prep school in Florida called St. Andrews. It's in Boca Raton. It's a small private school. I'm an only child. I was always an athlete. I played tennis. I figure skated very, very close to my family. And I knew that I wanted to go somewhere that was really academic. And I wanted to go somewhere that was New England and liberal arts so I could sort of explore, figure out what I was interested in. I thought maybe I'd go to law school, maybe... um, you know, just sort of have a lot of options. And if I went to somewhere like Mount Holyoke, kind of the world would be my oyster because it's so academically rigorous. And <laughs> I knew that <laughs> I'd be set up pretty well. What was what was your what was your major when you got to uh, Mount Holyoke? I studied history and politics, and I didn't have to declare a major until the end of my sophomore year. So history and politics in a liberal college in Massachusetts. So, well, or liberal well, arts. Well, what? a little different. Well, liberal <laughs> liberal words been commandeered. Yeah, absolutely. So when uh, so when when did when did you start feeling the not so great effects of being in a, at that university? So 
I really shifted my junior year. You know, I went to college very eager to learn, very excited, very green. And about two years in is when I really had these. I started to take ideological classes, so gender studies, you know, history, but from the lens of racism and oppression in America or racism and empires throughout, you know, Europe. So I'm starting to learn about the kind of evil colonizer and the patriarchy and, you know, the American man basically being convinced that America is very evil and we are inherently racist. And I'm, this is being um, very impressionable. This is being told to me and I'm just kind of buying it. And I end up sort of shifting. I remember I came home one vacation and all of a sudden my mom said that I started to seem just kind of like a socialist robot because I was offended by everything. (laughs) I was upset by everything. I was fighting with her. I was like, mom, you don't get it. You know, you're oppressed because you're a woman. America hates women, just all this nonsense. But I really, to my core, believed it. And all of a sudden I started to see it everywhere because as soon as you're kind of trained to think from a certain leftist lens worldview, you find it, you search for it. And so you reason with this craziness. Well, talk about uh, a drop about your first year and the, uh, how they influence you, even the haircuts that they made. The, uh, they didn't <laughs> call you freshman. They used another term. So my first year when I walked on campus, it was definitely culture shock because I was coming from sunny Florida and now I'm in Western Mass and it's very granola. Everyone's a little bit more androgynous looking. They had this, um, so we were called first years. We were not called freshmen because we were not men. We had to be called first years. (laughs) Um, There was this sort of ritualistic haircut called the moho chop, and it's where first years would cut off all their hair in the first semester, kind of as an act of rebellion or an act of allegiance to the school. We also had, I remember, in my first year, actually during orientation, I was left a note in my mailbox that said, you know, don't assume someone's gender. She may be he, he may be she. That person could be non-binary, could be they. And this is 2011. So this was really before anyone had ever heard any of these things. It was, we were very much on the cusp of this movement. And so I was like, what in the world? At first I thought it was funny, but then I realized I had to be very sensitive to this. And kind of was forced to really think about it and be like, oh, do I need to ask this person how they identify before I speak to them just because they have short hair? Like, it was very confusing, and you're kind of taught new words and new ideas and everything that you think is black and white. They are telling you that it's not. Everything's a spectrum. And that was just right off the get-go. You know, gender is fluid. Sexuality is a spectrum. Um, So that was my first initial sort of culture shock as I arrived. So I'm looking at this uh, couple of articles called Signs You're Ready, from her campus, Signs You're Ready for the Moho Chop. <laughs> Sounds like a, Bab- a Babylon Bee headline. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I remember reading her campus articles when I was at Mount Holyoke. <laughs> so basically, if you had long hair as a girl, they wanted it cut, that you basically, you were, you were basically looking more boyish. Is that what the moho chop was about? Yeah. So as a, as, as a university that was created because they weren't letting women into schools, we now become a place where we like our women to look like boys. 
<laughs> it's very ironic. And we were also the first of the women's college to change our admissions policy while I was there. This was my the fall of my senior year. They changed it. So it used to be you had to be a biological woman to be admitted. And then if you decided to transition into a man on campus, that was fine. But they changed it to you just had to be a woman on admittance, meaning you could have been a biological male. But if you started to transition as a teenager, maybe then you could you could apply and you could get into Mount Holyoke. So they were accepting biological males who identified as women. All right, Annabella, can you hold on for two seconds? We've got to do a commercial break. I want to continue on with what you experienced there and then, of course, with your mom, the uh, the great escape, as they say in the Steve McQueen movie. So <laughs> hold on for two seconds, sure. okay? All right, we, we are hanging out with uh, Barney Brenner, ESQ's here, and, of course, we're talking to Annabella Rockwell, talking about uh, Mount Holyoke College and escaping its liberal leftists Biz- bizarro universe so wake up tucson 10 30 the voice it's breakup day after uh, valentine's day here we go all right my boys from roxy music 8 20 in the morning chris and barney we're hanging out with annabella rockwell we're talking about her experience and escape from mount holyoke college annabella welcome back thank you so you got me excited. Let's just this whole faux hawk thing, this moho thing. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was I was looking I was reading that that her, this is the haircut that they 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 strongly encourage you get as a girl there, and so it says from that her campus. It's a haircut that indicates its owner leads a life contrary to that of the conservative or heterosexual world, like a bat mitzvah, but on your head. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the top 10 signs that you're ready for your moho, all right? You're about to graduate. What a better way to commemorate your time than get your moho for your graduation pictures. <laughs> <laughs> number yeah. number two, you're constantly thinking about it, right? Um, what was the other one they had? It was great. Uh, you can't help being envious of others' moho cu- haircuts. <laughs> and then number nine you've pitched the idea to your boyfriend that's a little too binary for these people boyfriend parents and they don't like the idea perfect (laughs) (laughs) you probably don't have a boyfriend if you're gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) now um (laughs) so you came home your mom said you sound like a socialist robot when you came home mm-hmm. for vacation, and what happened? Did was there did, did that realization was in your brain when you went back from vacation, or was, did it take a couple of good more shots to your spiritual noggin to uh, to break out of it? You know, no, it took a while because I didn't realize what was happening to me as it was happening. I didn't know that I was shifting so drastically, but of course, my family and then my friends that I grew up with would see it. And in response, I distanced myself. You know, I uh, became so, my my mom and I had so much tension. We ended up fighting so much. And she's the one person I think that really gave me pushback. Everyone else was kind of like, uh, whatever, Annabella, like whatever floats your boat. And I just sort of distanced myself from people I'd known my whole life. But my family, really, I mean, for a while after I graduated, I was estranged from my mom. Because when I graduated, you know, it was now my duty to so part of the moho chop is this idea that like you're you don't want to attract the male gaze like everything is against men so now if you're graduating like it's your duty to sort of go into a work go into the workforce and change it from the inside out from a feminist perspective so you have to be a strong woman with a seat at the table and like show all these men that you're in charge of well like it's not even about equality it's about 
women being better than men. And it's very destructive. It's very harmful. It really affects all your friendships, all your romantic relationships. And, you know, when I graduated, I had this burden of, I ended up, I went to grad school for a year in Spain, actually, which was a great opportunity, but I brought all these ideas over there. And Spain is such a you know, kind of macho, heteronormative country. That <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was totally miserable the whole time. And the morning I came back and I worked on a, which is just, I mean, it's so silly. So it takes such a spoiled 22-year-old to, say, to feel that way. Um, but I came back and I worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign. Yeah. It really wasn't until, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, fellow seven sister alum, <laughs> Miss Wellesley. <laughs> but then you uh, the shift you, didn't happen mm -hmm. you caught some uh, you started watching some videos that had a big influence on you mm -hmm. so fortunately around 2018 I moved I was I'd been living in New York I moved back down to Florida and I actually moved to work on the Andrew Gillum campaign who if you don't if you don't recall he ran against Governor Ron DeSantis he was the far left progressive candidate who there's a lot of um scandal surrounding him after the campaign you can humor yourself and look it up so around that time i also made some lifestyle changes i stopped drinking and i had a totally clear mind and i started to believe in god again and as soon as i started to accept god i think a lot of the holes that these progressive ideas had on me they started to just fall away a little bit but i still wasn't conservative i just wasn't as obsessed with the ideology when when, 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 did, when did the when did the god moment happen when did your uh St. Paul on the road to Damascus moment happened. The God moment was in 2018. But what was that? Was there a specific was, thing that kind of finally pushed you, got you over the edge back into the into the God world? Um, it was a turning point in my life that I realized certain things I was doing weren't working for me. Um, I would say definitely health related, especially I think relying on maybe alcohol as an outlet. Sure. I kind of had a moment where I was outside of a church and there happened to be in this church, there happened to be someone who was there who was sober. And I ended up striking up a conversation with a total stranger who didn't drink. And it's sort of that moment in time like shifted my outlook on a lot of things in terms of health, not yet politics or anything, just the idea of God and maybe trying to have a clear mind to seek God. Um, so I was able a little bit after that to look back and be like, oh, wow, the stars really aligned in that moment. You know, God's always been protecting me even while I've kind of been all over the world or in certain scenarios, what have you. So I started to accept, you know, a higher power. Um, my, ideological and political shift happened in 2020 because I remember being home. This was during lockdown and I was looking on my Instagram and my whole news feed was a leftist echo chamber uh, during the BLM riots with people saying, burn it down, no justice, no peace, right is your first amendment. And I had already kind of gone through this. Like we had a sort of police brutality, Black Lives Matter movement on my college campus in 2014. So I'd already heard a lot of this stuff. So at this point, I was like, you know, this just doesn't really make sense. Burning down buildings in the name of empowerment doesn't really help people. And in that, a PragerU video popped up. And this video was, are the police racist? I know, it's incredible. It really is. PragerU found me and totally helped me think clearly again and, and relearn the truth. <laughs> so I saw the video and I clicked on it, started watching it. And from there, kind of the rest is history. Tell us about that history. Where are you now? 
<laughs> so I now work for PragerU. I'm the Palm Beach Development Director. Yeah, holy cow is right. <laughs> um, I'm I'm blessed to say that I work for them in fundraising because we are we are a nonprofit and I'm based in Florida. So here's my question for you: That after you went through all of this and you made the and you made the change, so people, parents and and grandparents are listening to you right now on this show. As they're sending their kids to these colleges, what would be the hard the hard knocks lessons of Annabella that you would the top three things that they need to pay attention to as their kid goes to college? First and foremost, you have to face the reality. Most colleges and universities are teaching from a leftist worldview. That is that's just the truth. So I think really doing your due diligence before going away. What kind of school are you going to? Where is this school? You know, is it faith-based? I would encourage going possibly to, you know, a faith-based university, or I would say stay local. I think I wouldn't have been able to be so brainwashed had I not been so removed from everything I knew. You know, I went all the way to Massachusetts, and my whole family was in Florida, so I was really out of touch with them. I think that's important. You know, if you're a student and you're already in school and you're conservative and your professors are really liberal, I would say you know, probe with questions, but don't push, you know, do all your work, show up, still be respectful, because I think as a conservative student on a campus, you have almost more of a responsibility to do the right thing, because there's an automatic bias against you. People just assume that you're maybe one way, like you're sexist or you're racist or, you know, one of the isms. And what's your, um, what's your third one? Because we're just mm-hmm. running out of time. Um, I would consider majoring in something that's not political so maybe the sciences or economics or skip college altogether invest the money buy some land start a business college is not the only path well annabelle a great debut on wake up tucson barney thanks for making this happen today oh i'm thrilled as you are let's let's have you on more often you sound fascinating yeah your uh, your journey at prager <laughs> U would be we promote the heck out of it so um, next time you can uh, give us some more heads ups on all the good things that PragerU is doing. I would love to come back and tell you everything about PragerU. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, take care. Annabella Rockwell, thanks for being here. Barney and I got a lot of tabs to clear before the end of the show. Wake up. All right, that's uh, Brad Paisley. I'm going to miss her. <laughs> all right we're doing breakup songs the day after valentine's day uh barney thanks for putting that together with uh miss annabella she was great yeah she killed it wonderful we'll have to make her a regular kind of like monthly thing just kind of keep people updated on yeah prager you is doing extraordinary things they are on their path to being a billion dollar a year organization. Wow. Yeah, I think they've uh, they've hit like three quarters of a billion in donations. I've been a supporter of theirs, you know, not in a huge way. They have, you know, million dollar donors, but I've been supporting them for years and years and they are hitting it out of the park. There are, you know, um, for believers out there, you know, Jewish Christian, there's they released a ten video uh, release some years ago. Their most ambitious ever, an intro and one each on the Ten Commandments, and Prager Prager does all of those. He only does about ten or fifteen percent of the videos uh, that they have. They have over five hundred now, and I tell people 
They have 500 courses on PragerU, and they're all five minutes long. Yep. Oh. So there are five-minute videos on each of the Ten Commandments, just brilliant. And then my favorite video is one, I think they might have changed the title, but it's called The Four Big Bangs. And it's brilliant. It's narrated by a, a guy named Frank Pastore, who used to be a major league baseball pitcher, became a pastor and a radio personality and tragically killed in a motorcycle accident. But he's got a couple of videos from, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And one is about the four big bangs, and it's a real eye-opener. Okay. Well, again, we love PragerView, so some of the best stuff out there. 790-2040. Let's go to Rusty. Have a good day. Wow. We're getting some good calls today. Matt, you're, you're, you're really attracted to them today. Nit- nitric acid uh, fumes. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Wow. Wow. No. You're fine. Just a hang up. <laughs> no. What are you going to do? They call in. They want to be on the air. You give them a shot, and then they show themselves to be fools. Uh, here we go. Rochelle Rochelle, a young lady on a journey from Milan to Minsk. She was, we already talked about the Cochrane study, which was a collection of 70 to 80 mask studies that showed that not only the paper masks are useless, but even the N95s don't really do much either. And again, as Barney asked before, we said before, that some of this can be detriment to your health because you're literally collecting in a bunch of crap in front of your face and rebreathing it where your body's been sent to. You're supposed to breathe it away out of your face. And it breathes bacteria. These paper masks, they're meant for one-time use. Correct. And how many people hang on to them, use them over and over? So when when she was asked about the study... By in a congressional oversight meeting, right? Because the the congresswoman Kathy Rogers asked her about the study, and um, and of course the CDC is the only international organization that demands masking of two year old children. Even the World Health Organization is off of that crap. Um, Walensky refuted the international study by responding. Our guidance levels are based for masking are based on our community levels. That wasn't the question, right? And the the, the, the congresswoman let her off the hook a little bit. Like you got to answer the question, right? Um, it says uh, she says in those communities uh, we recommended for high level committees. But here's the question: Our masking guidance doesn't. This is the statement. Excuse me. Our masking guidance doesn't really change with time, right? You okay? You doing your stocks here, Barney? Am I interrupting you on your phone? Come on. Come on, man. I'm listening. I know. I know you say you're listening, but you're farting around with your phone. So I'm telling you, so when, when you hear, Barney, that our masking guidance doesn't really change with time. I'm thinking these people are stuck. Uh, they don't react to new information. You know, they... Uh, they latch on to a policy, right or wrong. They're so done with it. If we if we thought this, if science went the way Rochelle Rochelle wanted, we would still think the flat the Earth is flat, right? Even though there's new data that refutes the old ideas, she doesn't. This this is how crazy this place is, right? When you say that, our guidance doesn't change with time. What are you nuts? 
I mean, we don't learn, we don't listen, we don't adapt. I just got a, a text from Dr. Cullen on that. Boo. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, now we know uh, this is the, I want to make a, all the kids that can't read a TUSD and uh, Sunnyside feel better, at least the administrators, with your 12% at Sunnyside and 16% at TUSD. Yeah, at least you're not the worst in the country. The Illinois State Board of Education recent report card had a list of number of students who are at reading proficiency as part of this chart here. And in 53 schools in Illinois, sorry, sorry, so they had kids, 30 schools in Illinois where the uh, 22, uh, 30 schools, the, there's not one kid, zero, that are reading at level. Zero percent. And then, of course, math is worse. It's 50, <laughs> 53 schools. <laughs> I thought you were say math is worse. <laughs> the, the, the actual number is negative. <laughs> So again, TUSD and Sunnyside, uh, you're not as bad as Illinois. I guess that's to make your sales feel better. Uh, let's go to the phone, 790. Let's go to Brushfire. Brushfire, what's up, buddy? Hey, what a great interview. It's nice to hear, actually, people you know that do come around. Yep. But again, to put your I'm, – I'm sorry, guys, and I know I'm, I'm the wrong person to say this, but to put your heart, body, and mind, and soul into a political solution – uh, read about 1917 Russia and see what happened. Any political solution is not the right solution. The girl said it. And when you get that aha moment and you find God, things change. So uh, Chris has been saying for the last so many months, faith, family, and schools is the real way back. Well, the problem is if you've got your child in a public school right now, yes, you're sir. a freaking commie. You're a freaking commie. Well, no, you you're steal no, my money. Well, you you're, you're, ig you're money. ignorant. You're, you're ignorant if you're sending, if you're not paying attention what your kid's getting in school or not getting in school, right? It's because you just don't know any better. Yeah, too many parents are just assuming, well, I'm sending my kid to school. He must, they must be learning. And if if enough parents had the aha moments, we could turn things around. Then culturally, as a as a part of that faith family schools, the family side of it, right, is does your family, right, does your community that you that you come from that influences you, do they treasure education, right? Because that's and another thing. And I'm going to throw I'm going to throw something out that I learned from one of the most masterful teachers in this town. We we need to teach the trivium. We need to go back to the old ways. It's the Greek ways and the Roman ways. And I know that's antiquated education, but I'm telling you, the Greeks and the Romans knew more than us. We are not doing the right thing in Tucson. We can't deliver water here. And the Romans did it almost 2,200 years ago. More. How did they do that? How King did they pull that off? King Solomon had aqueducts that ran across the country. We're going back almost 3,000 years there. You are proper, sir. And I, I'm just saying, I don't think we're evolving as human beings Oh, that's, because that's we've true. lost, we've lost that one thing. And, and the U S Supreme court took it away from our kids in what? 1864, I believe Pennsylvania versus Scott. They took the Bible out of schools for a reason. It's a plan guys. It's a plan. So in the it, end, it's a feature, not a flaw. There's no, there's no, um, the, the lack of depth 
in the average American right now could be at its greatest amount. And we saw it during lockdowns, right? Their lack of depth of intellectual curiosity, education, general knowledge, wisdom, faith, lacking across the board, my friends. And we saw it. They gave up. The, they gave up like you would know. They just, boop, we're done. We have, you know, there was too many of our brothers and sisters who had nothing there. And they, they just did whatever the government told them, no matter how cockamamie it was. And that's what I saw. Yeah. The, the lockdowns yeah, revealed and, all. And people think I'm, uh, people think I'm the crazy one. No, well, you, that, you that, have that, your moments. And that's, you're, you're, I do. We, we all have our roller coaster rides. You're just, yours is just a little wilder than others sometimes. That's all. Well, because I pay attention. <laughs> and I just, I, just, I just don't think it's proper that other people think I should pay for their kids to go to school. That's communism, guys. I mean, if people don't want to admit they're a communist, that's fine. I'll help you admit it. I'm pretty good at it. I know the tenets of communism. And you asking me to pay for your kids to go to school is a problem. Do I ask for you to pay for my dog to go to daycare when I have to go on a job? That would be no. So why am I paying for your kids to go to school? Well, again, so the argument is, right, is that, that people would say that, uh, you know, if it's done properly, right, having an educa- a truly educated population is a good thing. Or the right way to do, yeah, it, do it is at the state level. The feds have no role in education, but they've elbowed their way in. But it's perfectly proper under our federalist federal system, states educate kids, they decide how to tax you, and uh, it's closer to local, and you vote them out if they're doing the wrong thing. How's that been working out for us, though? We're not voting in a lot of very good people. Well, and that starts with back, I'm telling you, it's back to where are these people coming from, right? And their, uh, their, their life experience, right? And their educational and their family experience. And then the voter has their own issues. So, Sean, I got to sneak one more in before it's over. So, Hey, keep the faith, guys. Great, great show. Thank you guys for, for the energy you put into it. And I get positive energy. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for what you do. Thanks, Sean. Have a good day. Let's sneak Craig in and then we'll uh, go to break. Craig, good morning. You're on with Barney and Chris. What's up? Hello, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. I, uh, the other week I was at a medical board meeting, actually, at the state house. Yes. Yes, and I remember they were talking uh, the, the the diagnostic procedures of, uh, uh, I forget what it was, but it was the diagnostic of uh, the large, veiny, purple-headed. Okay, that's it. You're done. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. 8.48 in the morning. Let's go to break. You're on the Wake Up Tucson show, 10.30 of the voice, local news and talk. One more segment with Barney. Tomorrow we got the sports director, U.S. Congressman David Schweikert. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 10.30 of the voice, local news and talk. Hey, ESQ here. Uh, it's, we got a six-pack of tickets to the Do Portugal Circus. It's at the Tucson Mall. We've got a six-pack of tickets for you. Thursday night's show, that's tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. show. First caller, 520-790-2040. That's 520-790-2040. If you would like to go to Do Portugal Circus at the Tucson Mall, tomorrow night, 7.30 show. Literally right behind the In-N-Out Burger on Oracle is where, where it's happening. We saw it when we did our happy hour. It was right across the way from the entrance we went into. So the Do Portugal 
It's uh, Circus and uh, Thursday night. Call Matt right now. Get your tickets. Uh, one more segment with Barney Brenner. Uh, let's get to... What's the one I want to get to Barney today? Oh, uh, let's do this one. California, as you know, is a special place. And by special, I mean special. Um, so they want to, uh, in California, there's new proposed edu- uh, legislation that would ban the use of police canines for policing. This is from ABC 10 in California. A new effort's underway to ban police from using police dogs to arrest or apprehend suspects. If passed, it would also ban police using them from proud crowd control. Uh, Jackson says police canines. Oh, they're saying that the use of police canines is the has been the backbone of the country's history of racial bias and violence against black Americans. You know what? We need to have legislation to ban water hoses as well. Why is that? That was used on uh, on blacks in the South, just to, at least as much as, as dogs. If you remember Lane Santa Cruz, I believe, when the whole Black Lives, the George post-George Floyd, when she was crapping on the police, she said that basically... Uh, we don't policing is an archaic racist idea because they were the police were first put in America to chase down slaves. So that means all the good stuff that they've done, whatever, even if that is the origin, doesn't mean anything. The amount of historical ignorance out there is astonishing. Now we've got a media that does nothing but promote it. The peak of this was a few years ago when, you know, in twenty nineteen, some nit where I forget, I don't just doesn't even deserve mentioning her name came up with the 1619 project to officially rewrite american history sure it's coming up on my it's coming up on my amazon fire stick uh for black history month that you can watch it on i forgot what streaming channel the whole 1619 project so our country didn't start in 1776 uh it was started to promote slavery which was absolutely incorrect uh and then People don't realize there's slavery going on today in many parts of the world. And the key is how quickly as a country did you abolish slavery? And then they talk about in a little history lesson about our constitution, that a constitution enshrined slavery. It did not. We could not have formed the country if we tried to abolish slavery in the 1770s because we had some states where there was slavery. But we put a provision into the Constitution that the importation of slaves would be outlawed within 20 years. That was the start of it. Right. So when I see things like this or I see the discussion of reparations and things like that, right? And, and, and the idea is you talk about slavery existing today, right? Let's just look at what happens on the border, right? With all of these people who are put into basically essential slavery. Good point. Right? That they can't pay their way to get across the border. So basically they enter into slavery and some of them don't the, ever get out. And the women are sexual slaves. Right? Well, those same people who are crying for reparations for slavery from so many hundreds of years ago. Never say a peep about the slavery that's going on uh, 50 minutes south of here. 
And while we're talking about reparations, how about the Jews getting reparations for being slaves in Africa? I'll take the compound interest on 3,800 years of whatever payment they want to give. Well, I'll, we'll talk to the country of the government of Egypt, right? And wherever else we need to do, we'll see if they're, uh, they're up for that. I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure they'll be just fine with that. No, they don't pick on any country but ours. So, well, Barney, thanks for a day. It was a good day. I look forward to this every month, Christopher. It was very fun. And again, Dan Shearer was great. Uh, actually, the news just broke this morning. We'll talk about it. Uh, John Dorlando, the publisher of ex-publisher of the Arizona Daily Star, has been named the chief operating officer of WIC Communications. That's Dan's company. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but my... My, your my, your my, spidey sense. My spidey sense says, uh, let me say that. I want to say it in French. I want to say, ne. So we'll talk about that as we move through. Barney, have a great day. You have a great day. You're a great American. <laughs> Sorry, I just did my Sean Hannity <laughs> Likewise. there. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. All right, go out and play in the snow. I told you, I'll write, it, I'll write you a note to tell your boss you're going to be playing in the snow today. So wake up, Tucson. We'll see you tomorrow.